2: It is locked on Jazz on the 6th of November. Jazz get blown out by the Raptors, lose their fourth straight at home and overall. 10 games in, how concerned should we be? We'll try to break down what took place last night, why it took place, how it compares to the past, and look at all that. It's coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers, and a look at what's really going on. Uh, You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can tell your smart speaker to play podcast, Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Locked on NBA today has Ben Goliver on it, so that's a good one for you. And please follow. I love what we're doing. So proud of it on the network, on our social network sites. Twitter, both Locked on NBA net and Locked on NFL net have become a feed of all of our hosts. So it's a pretty good uh, way to catch up on everything that's going on. I find it really, really cool. And then our Instagram Uh, accounts for both of them are kind of the biggest stories in a minute for you on the stories and then longer versions on the feed so really proud of both those things we're doing stuff nobody else has done Uh, with that Jake Snelson's doing great work with it that's at uh, locked on NBA net and locked on NFL net all right here's the plan for today Um, I just want to take an honest look of what's going on I'm not going to try to be a homer And I don't want to be an extremist. Obviously, losing four in a row is not good. Um, And some things are certainly not right with what's going on with the Utah Jazz. Now, last night, they just get waxed by a team that's way better than them. Uh, I think Toronto and Golden State, and I've said this all year long, are a million times better than the rest of the league. Okay? Um, That has been my take from the very beginning. I didn't change it last night. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. I think that Toronto's going to win the East by about eight, nine games. I think Warriors are going to win the East-West by 10 or 12 games. The rest of us are okay, but we're not great. And those teams are great. And Nick Nurse is doing incredible things with the Raptors. I don't know if we'll get into it today, but there's some interesting things that they're doing. Um, And, and they're great. So I'm not too worried about the fact that we got waxed last night, because I think it's the same thing as getting waxed by the Warriors, um, and they're they're just I mean they're just way better than we are. I don't know what else to say about it. I think that those you have to be honest about that, and but I think the Warriors are way better than we are, and I thought that when the year started. So that's that's you know, uh, but. There are some things that aren't good right now. So let me quickly, we always do our game recap of last night. Uh, let me quickly just run through that like I always do, but then there's deeper issues um, to try to get into. So last night we had another brutal defensive night. Our defensive rating was a 124. The Raptors, who played 21% of their possessions in transition, just ran up our throat. Our offensive rating, according to the uh, ESPN box I use, uh, was was a 111, which actually is above average and not terrible, despite it sure felt like it. Um, The Raptors have a weakness, which is they don't deal with the pick-and-roll ball handler very well, kind of similar to us because they play the same type of drop, big defensive style. Without Donovan, that left it to Rubio and Ingles to deal with it, and they were not able to um, make the plays that they needed to play last night. Um, I'm going to update... Uh, My update on it has us at a 106.7 on my NBA stats cube, uh, which is only average. So we were, you know, and and that may be, frankly, a little misleading because the fourth quarter we went and put up 39 points and skewed the numbers. That's where cleaning the glass will take out all those numbers because it's blowout time and not count it. And that might be a more accurate way to do it. Uh, So now our shot selection last night was brilliant. In the first quarter, I think we had 13 shots at the rim, thank goodness. Uh, we were getting to the bat We took 35 shots at the rim last night. We took 24 threes last night. Uh, so we ended up taking 49% of our shots at the rim, which is an amazing number. Um, the stats on this page, by the way, uh, they re- – Garbage time started at six sixteen in the fourth quarter, so it doesn't count anything after that. Um, according to that, to cleaning the glass, which I like that, uh, the Raptors' offensive performance last night was in the 88th percentile of all offenses, and we were in the 28th percentile of all uh, offenses. Our shooting was in the 6th percentile of all game performances last year. Uh, okay, so if there were 100, if you know, Six percentile. We're six percent. Like, terrible. Uh, and that's the truth. We just couldn't make shots last night. Our shot distribution was okay. Um, but we were in the zero percentile of shooting on threes last night. So we had the worst shooting night of any team in the NBA all year last night. Like, that's... the. We can get into all the other stuff, but that hits it. We were four of 24 from three. And so what happens at that point, the Raptors are great in transition. When you're not When you're having the worst three-point shooting night of any team, you're 0 of 9 on corner threes, you're 4 of 15 on above-the-break threes, you're 4 of 16 in the mid-range for 7% of all shooting quality there. Now they're out and running, and they're running down your throat, and you're trying to get back in transition at an endless level. And the Jazz did a terrible job of that. But at some point, it's also just, this is ridiculous. Um, Last night... Let me see if I have this. The Raptors, according to Clean the Glass, averaged 1.8 points for every transition opportunity and 1.88 points off every live rebound. So our transition defense was just horrendous. But again, it's like every single possession, you're there. And so hard to figure out last night, is that just you don't have Donovan? And we're totally dependent on Donovan. You know, we when the Raptors don't have... Kawhi Leonard, they have Kyle Lowry. When the Boston Celtics don't have Kyrie Irving, they have Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Jalen Brown. When the Milwaukee Bucks don't have Chris Middleton, they have Eric Bledsoe and probably somebody else who I can't think of who can use possessions. When the Rockets don't have James Harden, they lose a bunch of games, but they also have Chris Paul. And frankly, they is not great, but they have Carmelo who can use. We, we don't have that. And we just don't, that's not in our roster. Uh, Ricky Rubio becomes that guy. That's not a place where he's comfortable. Joe Ingles, who's terrific, that's not a place where he's comfortable. So, you know, when you look down high usage, capable players, our list is small. That's, when we're at at our best, there's things we can do and play off each other, but when we're missing Donovan, We become pretty dependent upon needing Donovan out there, and that was obvious last night. Um, And we, as I said, then the other thing that Toronto, who's great, doesn't do well is transition defense, and when you're allowing them to make every single shot, guess what? You don't have very good transition defense. Uh, You know, you you can't take advantage of their transition because – they're making every single shot. One of the things Quinn really wants to do is blur that line. That's He wants his team to really push after makes. That's the way you increase tempo. But um, last night, they weren't able to do that. So, you know, three parts got him last night. Hard to tell in what order uh, and why each of those happens. Um, whereas the transition defense, terrible because of the fact that the transition defense was terrible or was the transition defense terrible because the offense was having the worst shooting night of any team in the NBA all year long. And so, therefore, it was you were just in transition endlessly against a team that's relentless and you're dying. And were we having the worst shooting night all year because we don't have Donovan on the floor, our offense is... Um, you know, generally struggles without Donovan, though, frankly, this year it's actually been better with him off than on, but I think we know better than that last year. um, The number was a one. We were plus, I think, six with him on and even with him off um, there. So, and then, you know, did we not take advantage of things last night because we didn't have Don? You know, right, you got it. Like, it just all torpedoed on each other, and it was bad. Like, they got blown out last night. Um, And you've got to make shots in this league. I mean that's the simplest, silliest, most obvious thing for me to tell you is you have to make shots in this league, and when you don't make shots, the way people are playing transition, they are coming down your throat at you, and it is it's a bad bad circumstance. Um, so that's where we stand. All right, well let's let's come back review what maybe in the last we talked about in the offseason. We know ten games in to not be true. Right? Let's 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 take an honest evaluation of that. Um I think I've got um four things right now that we talked about in the off season that has turned out to not be true. And then let's review where we stand right now compared to ten games last year. And uh, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not, again, I open the show with this. I'm not trying to be a homer today, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist today. I just kind of want to analyze. Last night was a confluence of events that led to a blowout. Today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 Belts. I wear Grip6 every day. Ever since Keenan and the guys introduced me to Grip6, I have become an enormous fan. What is so great about Grip6? Number one, they don't wear out. Number two, they have no loops, no holes. It's a patented system where the belt comes through, hooks in. You tighten it to the perfect amount for you each and every time. Right now, for me, it's a little wider than it used to be, unfortunately, which is bad at the start of the season. I'm trying to deal with that. Then the belts and the straps are interchangeable. So you can wear the hunt, they have a honeycomb red. It's like the belt right now. They've got some really creative. Their buckle of the month is a beautiful picture of what looks like the Grand, Grand Tetons. It's just $20. They have one that's half dome, which um, I might have to get my dad. He was the director of marketing at Yosemite at one point in his time, so I will probably add that to the cart right now, and I will use the promo code LOCKED for you. Uh, that is still That will get you 20% off the promo code LOCKED. Locked. We're going to make you a specific URL page, but right now, um, if you use the promo code LOCKED, you should get 20% off. If you don't, let me know, and I will take care of it. Uh, so, actually, just use LOCK, not lock, just L-O-C-K-E. It's at Grip6 Belts. I love them. That's what I wear exclusively now. 100% made in the U.S., Utah company. Um, really, really cool uh, different way to interchange your different belt buckles. Find your different looks. For golf, you can have one thing. For mountains, you can have one. For formal, you can have another. They're really, really fabulous. Um, for my formal one is the black one that is the carbon fiber. And then the, they've given me the really nice wood one as well. That is GRIP6BELTS. Use the promo code LOCK. What did we think was true in the off season that might have been faulty? Um, I think the first was that we just pick up where we left off. Like that, I think we might have known that wasn't true. Um, it never works that way. It never is, the season is never the exactly the same. You ne- Things, rules changing this year with the freedom of movement. Though last night didn't have anything to do with freedom of movement. Um, there have been some other nights where I think the concept behind freedom of movement is that off the ball, you can't hold, you can't grab. When big guys roll to the basket, you can't hold, and you can't grab. Okay, it's also, what's getting Rudy all of his dunks. So, and teams are adjusting to that. Now we're going to have to adjust out of that. And, you know, you have to figure out where to use favors because everyone's bringing favors guy off of, off of favors and putting him in Rudy's lap. And Rudy's getting about... I think when Rudy's on the floor per 100 possessions with Derek, he gets about eight shots. And when he's off the floor, without when Derek's off, he gets about 13 shots. So he's getting about 50% less shots when he's on the floor with Derek. We're just going to have to f- figure out where to place Derek and, and how to use things and and uh, how to take advantage of both of them at the same time, the same way they did last year. So I think that's the first one, just that that was a pretty common narrative. We'll pick up right where we were. Um, and I really, I, I, you know, I did the numbers analysis and had that we would be just as good um, as we were last year in a, in a lot of ways here's a one that's i think real and a bit disturbing we've had f- and the in the offense is a little different in the league right now but we've had four games this year in which our defensive rating is 119 or worse we had four games of that all of last year um you know the Donovan injury not playing a few games has had something to do with it. I mean there's a bunch of excuses, right? But and the and the Warriors got us. Okay, well that just happens. In Minnesota Derrick Rose had this brilliant game and Memphis Donovan didn't play and we allowed 119 and last night Donovan didn't play and we allowed 123 and we've been really good defensively in all the other games showing that that defensive capability is still there. But that's a little eye opening that and even if you try to fiddle and say okay, well defenses or offenses are up about you know, 0.8 or something like that. But just nonetheless, we've had four games this year. We had a defensive rating of 119 or more. We only had that four times all of last year. So that's a pretty good sign. Like, we just didn't pick up that narrative. I was a part of it. I think we were wrong. The second narrative where I would say we were probably wrong, um, and I was chief leader of this and thought he was, you know, You know, the two comments that I made all year long are now coming back to kind of bite me, frankly. Um, And and what those two were, uh, were one, I I got asked a lot, like, what are you most curious about? The two questions I got asked the most in the offseason were on our local 1280 The Zone, were what are you most curious about? And my answer to that was whether we could maintain our defensive prowess. Okay, so right now the answer is no. Um, and then number two, though, I'm not, if we didn't have any good defensive nights, I'd be a lot more worried about this. The fact that we have the 92 against Memphis, the 88.9 against Houston, the 98 against the Pelicans, the 101 against Dallas, the 102 against Denver, that makes me feel a little bit better. Like if we didn't have any of those, I'd be a lot more concerned. Um, the second one. Was I kept getting asked, like, what player can change the team? And my answer was Ricky Rubio. Um, The feeling was that Ricky Rubio would be coming off of his first time playing with the same coach for the second second time in a row since his first year, which he was coming off an ACL. So he really had never had the same coach coming back. That the feeling on Ricky Rubio was that he um, didn't play – for the first time with the Spanish national team, so he's able to work on his game and relax. Um, And he was in the Jazz player development system. Um, So far, that is unfortunately not coming to fruition. Um, His, you know, his effective field goal percentage right now is a 38.8. That's not the lowest he's ever had in his career, but it's back to where he was as a 21, 22-year-old player, even a... 24-year-old player since then. He'd been on a four-year rise of 39 to 43 to 45 to 48. I mean, those are all below average. Um, you know, and really, according to Clean the Glass, Ricky's only had one year of his career where he's outside of the 20th percentile of effective field goal percentage. But, but I thought that we had seen a rise and really expected a pretty big start for Ricky. That has unfortunately not been true. I mean, he's just, he's really not shooting the ball well at all is it's really you know frankly it's probably just his three Um, he's shooting 44% at the rim last year he was at 51 but his career average is right around 44% Um, his short mid-range shot has been not good his uh, that's been really bad once he's he's in the paint Uh, his mid-range shot is at 39% that's kind of where he's always been i think last year he was at 44 um and he was at 44 the year before but i think if you look at his career average he's 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 right there his overall mid-range shot though because of those short ones that he he's just not good in that 3 to 10 foot range right now is below his regular average and then his 3 point shooting's a little off um his long twos are are great again his long twos are 47%, but his overall um, is is not great, and his three-point shooting is from 35 down to 30. I mean, if you look at him compared to his career average right now, his rim finishing is at 41%. He was at 48 his first career, so that should go up. His 3-10 to 10 footers are at 33%, which actually I guess are better than his career average. It's always been a little bit of an issue for him. His ten to sixteen footer is at seventeen percent. He's usually at thirty six. That should get better. His long mid range, he's at forty seven percent, which is great. You know, he that's a guy you should be willing to have to take a long two. He's at thirty nine percent for his career, and then his three point shooting is thirty percent, and he was at thirty two. So, you know, he's never been a above average offensive player. However, he's awful. He's not doing what we thought. Right, and then I think the other misanalysis we had on this was that it was the exact same team. Uh, and I don't know what impact this is having, to be totally honest. Um, but Dante Exum is a new part of the rotation who's at a point guard position, and I think it's having. An impact that second unit to me doesn't flow very well. That second unit last year was Donovan Mitchell at point guard, or Howell Neto at point guard, and I don't, you know, Dante's important to us, and we're gonna have to work through it. There's nothing wrong with doing it, but it's not the same, right? That like that's my only point is that we talked about that we are the exact same. That's not the same. Um. And, you know, I mean, Ricky's shooting 33% and Dante's shooting 41 and the two of them are shooting 30 and 29% from three. And that Pretty pretty hard right now. The offense is not that big a problem, but it's not great. Um, but it's pretty hard right now when that's happening. Um, so I think those are the areas where we may have said we were the exact same and our messaging and, um, you know, my analysis of the first, games may not have turned out to be accurate. Um, just with that. Now, let's look at the next step, which is where are we compared to last year at this point, And then what is our level of panic? We'll do that um, next. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Blake's down at the Linden store now. We've got um, a great crew at the State Street Store, and then there's also a store up in Logan. Uh, the Murdoch family, 93 years in business in Utah, maybe 92. maybe may be giving them an extra year there. Uh, doing uh, fabulous, fabulous work to uh, make sure that you have this awesome experience. And the Hyundai brand is cool. Uh, the Hyundai brand, it's funny, I was talking to <coughs> a friend yesterday, and we were talking about cars and um He's like, you know, and I was just like, how much we love our Santa Fe. Um, and what we, uh, and it's like, you know, I, I think you get a Hyundai Santa Fe, you're probably not, someone's probably not thinking of like, oh, wow, you're going to like, no, we love it. Like our son's driving it. It's got great space. Uh, we got the third row of seats. It's got every bell and whistle. So we probably got the um, ultimate uh, to make sure that we got all the safety features all of it's inc- it's incredible. Um, the sunroof panoramic sunroof six passenger seating. they also have a great lineup of the other SUVs the Tucson uh, comes in estimated somewhere around 20,000 depending what you do with it the Kona 185 the Kona's zippy and fun got great colors it's the smaller SUV and then their sedan lineup uh, the sonata is is fabulous. Uh, as well. The, the Kona's kinda Kona's kind of a fun car. You might want to take a look at that. That's a one of their small little SUVs and it's got the little got a little pop to it. Uh good horsepower. It's got turbo in two of the different models. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State
1: Street. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. i tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me and now the all-new gen 4 theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet it's no louder than an electric toothbrush and best of all you can try theragun risk-free for 30 days there's no substitute for the theragun gen 4 with an oled screen personalized theragun app and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your gen four theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. All right. So 10 games into the year last
2: year, um, with a schedule that probably wasn't nearly as brutal, the Jazz offense was 23rd in the NBA, and the defense was eighth, and our plus-minus led us to be 17th in the league. So we were we were a little desperate at this point last year, I would say. Uh, now the defense was a 101.8, and this year the defense is a 107.7. That's a dramatic difference now. Offenses are really beginning to kick in and the numbers are a little different and the freedom of movement has changed things a little bit. Uh, so that, that six points, not dramatic, but eighth to 16th <clears throat> is a pretty big difference uh, for where you'd expect the Jazz to be uh, defensively. Now, if we tighten the screws up a little bit, pretty quickly you get up to 10th or 11th or 12th. That's um, where, where things sit. And the Jazz... And frankly, if the Jazz defense was the same, well, there's no way it would be the, Sorry, that that was backwards. My brain went the wrong way on that one. Uh, offensively, the Jazz are 13th, and we're a positive differential. So even though we're 4-6, and six, I'd argue we're a lot better off than we were uh, last year at this point when we were 5-5. Five and five. Um, Our offense is clicking at a higher rate. The defense needs to tighten up. Uh, So we were here a year ago. It took a while, and I don't suggest we go back to the nadir that we were at when we left Atlanta and try to click in. I don't think that's possible. The when you when you look at what's kind of happened here, I would say, um, you know, whether you're hitting, um, you know, I got I got a text from my Tyson. Murdoch from, uh, he was at the game last night sitting right over to the side of us and he was like, panic time? And I was like, I don't, you know, it's not good. But I don't think so. And so if you kind of walk through this one for a minute, so you lose to the Warriors. Um, that's happens. And the Warriors did some things well. You lose to Memphis. and And, and if we don't solve our shooting, then you can panic. But we lose to Memphis on a night where we went seven of 20, 32 from or eight for 32 from three. So 25%. You're, you're going to lose a lot of games shooting 25% from three. Minnesota, you would have liked to tighten the screws a little bit. It would have been a great road win. Um, you know, they we had our best offensive game of the year that night, and we didn't match it with defense. Memphis back home, no Donovan Mitchell, right? Like, we're just, I'm not sure we're entirely constructed as a team that without Donovan is going to win a lot of games against good teams. It's just, it's a, that's a big burden on Joe and Ricky Rubio, and it's not, it's not who they are as players. Like I always talk about the rightful order of the basketball universe. That's out of whack. It was out of whack last year at this point when Rodney Hood was all over the place and Donovan hadn't emerged yet. The rightful order of the basketball universe was out of whack. It was when Donovan got going and I mean that's an <clears throat> we can go back through it. We're asking an awful lot of a second year guy. You don't see a lot of teams led by second year guys that that I think you've only got two or three teams in the last twenty years led by second year guys that were considerably above five hundred. Dwayne Wade was Shaq, and, you know, you have to have Rudy Gobert types with you. Uh, And when we don't have that, that's pretty empty. So I'm not sure that I think it's completely coincidental that two brutal defensive nights have happened when you don't have Donovan offensively. I I think that those might be related. Um, And so you look at Memphis and you look at the Raptors, and, you know, look at Memphis. Like, they lose Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol. They become terrible. Uh, <clears throat> we lose Donovan Mitchell. We struggle. So, I'm not – I kind of look at the six losses. And, you know, Minnesota would have been nice to get, particularly when you have that good an offensive game. And the first Memphis game, coming off the Warrior game, probably a hangover, and pro- and they played a defense. Different defensive style that we weren't used to, and we had a terrible offensive night. Played defense pretty well. It's not great, but I'm not sure that I see the same collective thing taking place in every game at full strength that makes me say, "Oh dear." Um, Actually, far more "oh dear" at this time last year because we just didn't know Donovan was coming this way. Uh, So get Donovan back. Get the team settled. Last night was not a player movement issue where the new rules are making so the Jazz can't defend. Um, Shot distribution offensively is still great. Second Spectrum, this is incredible. Second Spectrum has a stat that looks at your shot quality. Um, And last I checked... The Jazz offense was getting the best shot quality of any team in the NBA. That is still true. Uh, the problem is, here's an example. According to Second Spectrum, the Jazz shot quality is at 55.1. But their effective field goal percentage is 52.8 minus 2.3. Milwaukee is at 54.1, so one percentage points less good. But their, shot qual- their sh- end result is at 56.6. In other words, we're shooting two percentage points, effective field goals percentage, below our shot quality. Milwaukee's shooting two above. Last year, we were even, so you'd like to have that even out. We're 26th in the league right now in how we're shooting based on our shots. The difference between our players' performance and the quality of shots they're getting is 26. Only Orlando, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Detroit is worse. That's That might be more important than anything else. A year ago, I think we were right at league average. Again, we're not the exact same. Like, you know, it's easy to say, well, we got right back there, you know, last year, Last year, we were negative 0.3, so we were right at league average. We were 19th in the league, to be totally frank. Um, There are a bunch of teams that were a little... So we're a little below average. We're just not a great shooting team. You get Donovan out for two games, and you're suddenly distributing those shots to guys that aren't as good a shooter, and Dante's not as good a shooter as Howell Neto. Might be a better player, but he's not as good a shooter in some of those ways. Um, and you know, our best corner three shooter was Jonas Drebko. So there's some pieces that have to just, we got to straighten it out. All right. That was my trying to be pretty honest analysis of where we sit at four and six and why, um, Dallas tomorrow. And then, uh, by the way, like also on the road to 52 wins, still on it. Weren't supposed to beat Toronto at home. Not supposed to beat Boston on Friday. Supposed to get Dallas on Wednesday though. Like we don't get Dallas on Wednesday, that becomes a five-game losing streak with Boston Possible 6 at Memphis, at Dallas, at Philly, at Boston, at Indiana. So a lot of, there's a lot of L's on that schedule. So when you have a W, it's necessary. This is Locked on Jazz. Go grab Locked on NBA. Ben Goliver on with the guys today. Uh, hope you have a great one. And follow Locked on NBA Net on Twitter and Instagram.